Good morning, Harvest. Um, if you're watching this video, it means YouTube Live did not work. Uh, so I pre-recorded uh, the video this morning. Um, uh, again, I'm grateful that we can gather, in a sense, online. Um, but I'm just reminded that gathering this way, or not gathering really, is just not good. Um, so I'm eager for when we can be in the building together. And I'm sure that there will probably be some nerves about... Um, everything we've been through uh, still, but it will be so good to, to come together as God's people, as we're told through, throughout Scripture, that, it, that God's people need to gather together to come, hear the Word, to worship the Lord together, to encourage one another, to exhort one another. So I'm, uh, I'm ready, uh, ready to stop recording sermons and uh, just be with you in person. Um, we continue to have questions about giving. Uh, it, we, you can do that online. There's a link uh, below this video. It's also on our website. Um, but we're also able to get your checks still. We're checking the mail Monday through Friday. So uh, if you need to mail in checks, that should not be a problem. You shouldn't bring in a check in person now as we're sheltered in place, but um, you can certainly still mail them in. Uh, last week was strange for me to watch um, watch myself preach with my family. Uh, there's one correction I do need to make. So I was talking about, I think, um, uh, the Heavenly Father loving uh, His children. And, and if He takes care of the birds, if He takes care of the grass of the field, uh, the lilies of the field, then certainly He will take care of His uh, children. So I said, uh, like, I've never forgotten to feed my kids. Like, when my wife's out of town, I haven't forgot to feed them. Then I said... Um, I've never forgotten to brush their teeth, and there was an uproar in my house among some of my children. Uh, I think one, one kid shouted out, lies, and then another one said, this sermon is built on a throne of lies, uh, which I believe is from the movie Elf. Um, anyway, so there was a discrepancy. I've let them not brush their teeth. I haven't forgotten to have them brush their teeth, so wanted to confess that to uh, the Harvest family. But let's pray before we begin. Lord, it is, uh, it is so good of you to give us uh, technology in this time so that we can use it uh, for your kingdom purposes, including uh, this way where, where we can still hear the word together. And, and we pray, Lord, this is different. Maybe it's awkward. Maybe it's harder to pay attention for some people. Maybe it's easier for others. Uh, but we pray, Spirit, that you would speak into our hearts, that your word would penetrate our hearts, Lord. Um, we pray for our world. Uh, our world has always desperately needed you, and I wonder if uh, some people now are realizing that they, that they do, in fact, need you. So we, we pray, Lord, that you would raise up labors for the harvest. You've told us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we ask, God, that during this time and, and after this time that you would raise up labors all over the world. Uh, Lord, we think of Brian and Debbie um, as they are getting evacuated from Cameroon, are supposed to be here uh, this week. God, we pray uh, for their travels, that you will keep them safe. We pray for health, Lord, that they wouldn't be um, exposed to anything. And uh, God, we are, uh, we're excited to have them back here. Uh, so Lord, would you be blessed by, by this online gathering that we're doing today? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you teach us? It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to be in John 15, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John 15. We're going to uh, be in verses 1 through 11. 
And Jesus said, I'm the vine, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father's glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And for many, this is probably a familiar text. Uh, For some of you, maybe this is a new text. And if so, um, perhaps you noticed one word that occurs over and over again, abide. Or if you have a different translation, maybe it says remain, but we're to abide in the true vine, in Christ. Well, what does that mean? One pastor wrote that abiding is the act of receiving and trusting all that Christ has for us. And that's been a really helpful way for me me to think through what it means to abide, to receive and trust all that Christ has for us in him. Well, John 15 tells us that there are three things, at least, that we receive by abiding in Christ. We receive his word, we receive his love, and we receive his joy. And we'll see that throughout this passage. Uh, I think it was about probably 10 days ago, I went down to our local hardware store, um, got a couple things for a project I'm doing, and I just asked the cashier, are you guys doing okay? Like, is, how's business been? And, and I was just thinking um, that, that all businesses are being impacted, and, and I assumed negatively. Uh, and he said, this has actually been the biggest three-day period they've, they've had in years, um, because everyone's going out to like Home Depot or other hardware stores uh, to to get what they need for those house projects that they've been meaning to do maybe for years. Um, And obviously I'm doing the same thing. Um, We went around and we patched up like every little ding and imperfection in our walls. Um, And then I sprayed sprayed the texture over them and then I painted all of them. Um, I've been working on a plumbing project the last couple days. Uh, last week, we organized our whole garage, which really needed it. Uh, but I think that people are stuck at home and really wanting to be productive, um, wanting to make something out of this time when we can't really go anywhere. And I hope that as Christians, we want to make the most of this time by abiding in Christ. Right? We don't know how long... Um, how long life will be this way, how long this will be the norm. But my hope is that we take advantage of this different time when we can't really go wherever we want, that we will abide in the vine. And as Christ followers, we know that abiding or remaining in Christ 
Um, It's talking about our union in Christ, our relationship with Christ. And for the Christian, our relationship with God is everything. And we're right to call it a relationship um, because that is what we have through Jesus. By his death and resurrection, he has made the only way for a person to be forgiven of their sins so that we can be reconciled with God, our creator, that that if we trust in Jesus' death and resurrection for salvation, we have been made right with Yahweh. Our relationship that once was broken has now been fixed because we were created to know God. We were created to be in this relationship with God. And, And that's been God's desire since sin entered the world, that he would make a way, that he would fix this relationship. And we see it early on when he tells the Israelites to make a tabernacle, which is just uh, it's a tent. It's a portable temple that would travel with Israel wherever they would go. And when they would stop, they, they would set up the tabernacle right in the middle of camp. And then the Israelites, by their tribes, they would, they would camp out. Think of like concentric circles just going out, in the center of which being God. God had made a way to dwell with his people. And we see that throughout Scripture, and we see that when we get to the end of Scripture, too, in Revelation, that God will make the new heavens and the new earth, and God will dwell with His people that He has saved for eternity. But those who reject Him will not, as we see in this passage as well. And I think most people that do not know Jesus, uh, I think that they're their uh, understanding of what a relationship with God is. Uh, I wonder if, if they picture it more like a relationship with uh, a boss, right? A boss-employee relationship. So the worst case scenario is your boss is terrible and you, uh, you basically just try and avoid getting in trouble with your boss, try and avoid getting on their bad side. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, maybe you have a great relationship with your boss, but most, most um, relationships that are that way, you know something about your boss, your boss likes you, maybe you've met their, their spouse or their family, maybe you've done something outside of work with them every so often, but still, th- there's a barrier there between you and your boss, but the Christian understanding of relating with God is that we have this intimate union with our Savior. That He is in us and we are in Him because of Christ. Colossians 3, 3 says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So in our passage today, we're thinking about this union. We're thinking about what it means to abide in the true vine that we're receiving from and trusting everything that Christ has for us in Him. So verse 1, I'm the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. And Jesus, uh, when He says, I am the true vine, He's made several I am statements in John. I believe this is the last one. And throughout the Old Testament, there's imagery of a vine. Uh, And Israel is the vine. We see this in the Psalms, we see this in Jeremiah, in Ezekiel. In Psalm 80, uh, this vine is described and the vine is dead and it's going to be thrown into the fire. And Israel, the vine is dead because instead of worshiping the true God, Yahweh, they've turned from God to worship, quote unquote, other gods. So this vine is dead and Jesus now comes in the book of John 
And he's saying, I'm the true vine. And I'm sure for Jewish listeners, this was startling. Israel had been the vine and Jesus is saying, you've been replaced. I'm the true vine. And his heavenly father, or his father, the heavenly father, is the vine dresser, which we'll get to in a moment. But in verse 2, we, we hear Jesus is the vine and, and, and there are branches. And we're the branches. We're, we're ne- we need to be connected to Jesus, the true vine. Meaning that there's a right way to relate to Jesus and there are wrong ways to relate to Jesus. We need to relate to Christ in the right way. Thinking that Jesus is insignificant, that you don't really need him or you don't need him now, that's a wrong way to think about Jesus. You do need Jesus. Jesus is everything. The Israelites weren't saved because they were born into that nation. You and I aren't saved by anything that we've done. Salvation is completely dependent on this relationship with Jesus, the true vine. Jesus is absolutely everything, and I hope that you know that. Nothing matters more than knowing Jesus. And I know right now, a big concern all over the planet is our physical health. That's very important to us. Uh, We're very cautious. Even if you're not nervous, uh, you might be taking steps to help ensure that you don't get sick. And, And that health matters. But the health that really matters is the health of your soul. The only way to spiritual health is in Christ. So Jesus says, I'm the true vine. And God, he says, is the the vine dresser. His father is the vine dresser, the one who cares for the vine. And you don't have to have uh, been around a vine dresser to imagine some of the things a vine dresser does. A vine dresser makes sure that the vine has water. A vine dresser makes sure that the soil is good. And if there's things that need to be added to the soil to supplement the nutrients in the soil, the vine dresser does that. The vine dresser, I'm sure, makes uh, makes sure that the weeds um, aren't growing around the vine, taking the nutrients from the soil that the vine could be getting. The vine dresser is making sure weeds aren't choking out the vine. This is what it says in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, uh, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So as branches, Christians, we are supposed to bear fruit. That's what we do in Christ. Even if it's just a little fruit, Christians will be bearing fruit. It happens because we are in Him. Now the goal, though, is that we would bear much fruit. Jesus said that the vine dresser, what He does to the branches that aren't bearing fruit, is He takes them away. They're worthless because this plant is meant to bear fruit. So the vine dresser sees a branch not bearing fruit and he throws that that branch out. And and later we'll see that those branches are burned. They're no good. And maybe that seems harsh to you, but it makes sense, doesn't it? That if you have a a plant that that is supposed to bear you fruit, um, you're going to get rid of the branches that aren't doing their job, that aren't bearing fruit. Now maybe these branches are dead or they're diseased. Um, So you get rid of those branches that don't bear fruit. And he tells us that the reason is so that the branches that do bear fruit can bear even more fruit because that's the goal. The goal is bearing fruit, quality fruit, and hopefully 
a ton of it. And we can get thrown by the words here when it says every branch in me that does not bear fruit. What, what does that mean? Is this talking about losing salvation? No, no. It's clear that, that branches that abide are, are, are the ones that are in Jesus. These are the ones that are uh, Christ followers, genuine believers. The branches that don't, that don't abide, they're not in Christ. They're not followers of Jesus. They weren't saved and then lose their salvation. Um, These are branches without fruit. These are branches that are dead. Branches maybe that have been hanging around the vine for a long time. Maybe they go to church. Maybe they participate in Bible study. They watch all kinds of sermons online, but they haven't actually placed their faith in Jesus. And Jesus is telling us eventually the vine dresser will throw them out. The vine dresser also prunes he prunes branches that do, uh, that do produce fruit. And this seems counterintuitive. I remember um, when I first started getting like fruit trees and my blueberry bushes and I was watching videos and um, this one video from some professor in like New Hampshire was talking about blueberry bushes and he was saying that, that you should prune up to 60% of your bush away. Like, I'm like, There's, that's crazy. It's, it's counterintuitive, but this is how God has made it work that when you prune correctly um, uh, a fruit tree, uh, a blueberry bush, that it will bear even more fruit because that is the goal. That, that more and more fruit comes about. So the vine dresser does this good for the branch. But the problem with pruning is, for us, it hurts. I don't like being pruned. Hebrews 12 talks about God disciplining us. And this is exactly what a good father does, right? A good father, good mother to their children, they discipline their children. Otherwise, their children are going to just go crazy with with no discipline in their lives. In verse 10, uh, the author of Hebrews says, this is good that our Father disciplines us. And then in 11, the author says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And I'm confident that right now in these strange times, God is doing some pruning in us. Uh, I'm pretty sure for all of us, our trust uh, in God is being challenged right now. Where that is weak, I think that's being exposed. We're asking ourselves, do I really trust that God provides? Do I trust God with all of the unknowns in my future right now? Do I trust God with my loved ones? Do I trust God or is my hope in this stimulus package that that was just passed? Do I trust God's goodness when I look around and see so much wrong and so much suffering? I imagine there um, are some some special uh, pruning opportunities that we have right now being stuck in our houses with the people that we live with. And, and I assume that we love those people, whether it's a roommate or family members. Um, but hopefully, there's some prayers going on. Praying, Lord, give me patience right now. Lord, help me to love them. God, will you help me to serve this family member? Help me to not lash out at them. I'm guessing that there's ample opportunity for Uh, us to work on loving people that we're just not used to being around every moment of the day. And I wonder, how do we respond to God's pruning? Do we fight it? 
Or do you trust that God's pruning is good for you? It reminds me of uh, removing a splinter from, from a little kid. Um, all four of my kids, it's been this way. When they're really young and they have a splinter, and I ask, do you want me to help get it out for you? They fight it. They don't want me to, right? I, I break out the tweezers and they freak out. Or if I have to get even worse, the needle, they freak out. And I get it. It's scary. Dad's coming at me with a needle. What is he going to do? So they hide their hand or they run from me. But, but all I'm trying to do is, is get this thing out of them that isn't good for their body. I'm trying to help them. And it might hurt a little bit. And that's what God's discipline is like. He's pruning us, but it's for our good. He's getting rid of uh, what is no good in us so that we can be more fruitful. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Uh, the, the word spoken to you. Don Carson writes this. He says um, about the word spoken to, uh, to the disciples that Jesus is saying here. Um, what Jesus has taught them, what he is and what he has done, because he himself is the word. Um, this has taken hold in the life of these followers. This is how he's made them clean. This is the word spoken to them that's made them clean. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And here we have... Uh, the, the word repeat that's repeated over and over again, abide, 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 or maybe your translation says remain, but this word means uh, to continue in, to stay, uh, to be constant, um, to endure, to dwell. Uh, why wouldn't we want to abide in Christ? Because this is where life is. There is no life apart from Christ. A branch has no life in itself and cannot find life anywhere but in, in, the, in the vine, in Christ. The branch is completely dependent for life, for, fruit, for fruitfulness on the vine. The vine gives the branch everything it needs to live and bear fruit. Right? The branch gets its very sustenance from the vine. So it's in Christ that we have everything that we need. There's no need to look anywhere else. There's no point. We're to feed on Christ. We're to feast on Christ, the word that has become flesh. And I was thinking about communion. When we come to communion, when we eat the bread and drink the cup, there's this picture that we are feeding on Christ, on the one who gives us life. And this abiding is continuous. Divine imagery should really help us realize that when we're abiding in Christ, there's, there, there's no stopping. Um, there's no leaving Christ. We are in Christ continuously. And I, I wonder, though, if some of us operate more like Christ is uh, a gas station and we're a car rather than him being divine and us being the branches we treat Christ like he's a gas station. We see that we need him. In fact, um, in this illustration, he's still the one that fuels us. But the problem is that we try to get what we need from Christ. And then we just drive as far away as we can. And then come back, sometimes just coasting on fumes to Christ. Right? When, when life gets tough, yes, we, we have to run to Jesus but why do we ever leave Jesus? 
And I do see God's grace that, that he gives us hard things at times that reminds us, man, you're straying from me. Come back to me. But the vine and the branch image and abiding, it helps us see what our connection in Christ is really supposed to be. It's this union that is constant. Uh, in Bible college, I remember uh, a chapel speaker. He's talking about prayer and he uh he said that he stopped ending his prayer with amen. And it wasn't that he, uh, it wasn't that he thought amen was some magical word that, that ended his time with the Lord, but he realized that um, in his brain, once he said amen, he, he just kind of stopped uh, walking with God, so to speak. He, he didn't continue to think of himself as even being in God's presence. Um, so for him, it was symbolic to, to not end a prayer by saying amen. He would pray and, and, and just continue on his day and then come back to pray and then continue on. But there's never this, this ending of the prayer with amen, right? Because abiding is continuous. Verse five, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Again, branches apart from the vine do nothing. Right? This branch, um, this branch right here was attached to my plum tree this morning, and I don't know how well you can see it, but uh, it looks good except for the fact that it's not attached to my tree. Right? These flowers. Uh, some of them, at least, would have become plums, but not anymore because they're not, it's not attached to my tree. Right? This branch had everything it needed in it to produce fruit, but now it's disconnected, so it has no ability to produce fruit. And Christians, I, I just wonder if, um, if sometimes we're like this branch, and we just think, man, we can be disconnected whenever we want and, and then come back to Jesus. I, I wonder, Christians... Um, do you look at your life and realize that there isn't much fruit, that it's been a long time since you've, uh, since you've made any fruit? The question is, are you abiding in Jesus? And if you aren't in Jesus, the imagery is really clear, right? If, if we're not in Jesus, if we don't abide in Jesus, we're thrown out like other dead branches. There's no life in us. If you haven't trusted in Christ, then, then the branch, it's burned. And this is judgment imagery. This is serious. If you aren't in Christ, if you haven't trusted in him for salvation, then judgment awaits you. The wrath of God awaits. And you will not come out of judgment being justified. You'll come out condemned. You'll be found guilty. But the good news is that Jesus died for you. He took on the wrath of God in your place and if you will trust in him as his Lord uh, and as Lord and Savior, you will, you will not meet Jesus your judge. You'll meet Jesus your Savior someday, face to face. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. There is so much to pray for right now. Uh, I hope that, um, that you are spending um, a lot of time in prayer. Uh, 
I'm encouraging anyone that, that's willing to uh, at 7.30 to spend some time in prayer. And I'm not telling you how long to do it, but I, I do think it'd be neat for us to know that, that there are other believers from our church at 7.30 every morning praying. And I know a bunch of you are praying at, at all kinds of times throughout the day. Uh, I did hear about one woman in our congregation that she's been, uh, she's been praying for all the people that sit near her on Sundays. And, and, you know, we all sit in the same place pretty much every Sunday. Uh, so she's been thinking through the people that she knows and she prays for you by name. If you sit, you know, in her general uh, section at church and the people she doesn't know their name, she remembers their face um, and, and she's praying for those people. But we have so much to pray for. And Christ says that if we abide in him and his word abides in us, we can ask for whatever we wish and it will be done. So first though, what does it mean to abide in his word? It's receiving his word, right? The word should fill our hearts and our minds. It should direct our wills. It should transform our affections. It is uh, really easy for us to struggle getting into God's word, but it is crucial that we have this regular diet of God's word coming into us, right? It's not like eating some veggie that you don't like, but you eat it just because you know you should. No, it's like God sets out this steak dinner or, or this copper uh, uh, copper river salmon dinner uh, or whatever great like meal you love. God has prepared this incredible feast for us. He's laid it out and it's like we're saying, yeah, no thanks. I ate too much junk food today. I have a friend uh, that at his work, there's a chef there uh, that the company employs that makes breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's good, good meals every day. Uh, so guess what my friend hasn't done since he started working there? He hasn't bought food Monday through Friday, right? He, he doesn't go out to meals away from work. Right? Imagine if my friend showed up to the, the cafeteria with a brown bag lunch one day instead of eating the great meal that everyone else is meeting, like chicken cordon bleu or something like that. He breaks out his, his brown bag lunch. He pulls out a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, some Doritos, and a Twinkie. That would be absolutely ridiculous. We have access to God's word. Why aren't we feasting on this incredible meal that God has prepared for us. And I understand that there are times when maybe you come to the Bible and you're not feeling it, right? It doesn't look like a feast, but trust me, the more you dig in, the more it will be a feast for you. And the read through I'm doing right now, when I got to Deuteronomy, it was as if I'd never read the book before. I just I feasted on it. I loved it so much. I'm in the New Testament now and I, I just can't wait until I can get back into Deuteronomy again because it was a feast. So we abide in the word. We're receiving and trusting in all that Christ gives us through the word. And, and, and a byproduct of that is that we obey his word. Right As his word gets in us, as it transforms us, as we, as we meditate on it, as we as it just permeates our life, man, we want to obey. We don't just come to the Bible and agree that, that there's good teachings there, close the book and walk away. Now, if we receive God's word, it should change us. Our response should be that we live differently because of God's living and active word in us. 
So Jesus said when, when we abide in Christ, his word abides in us that we can ask or pray whatever we want. And God's going God's to gonna give it to us. Right? And this sounds too good to be true. Like, man, I want, I want a 67 Mustang. Is that what this is talking about? Well, no. <laughs> right? if, if the word abides in us, what do you think your prayers will be for? Right? We're going to ask God for the very things that he wants. As we abide in him and his word, he's going to transform what we want into what he wants, into what he knows is good and best. When we abide, he'll transform our obedience to him. We're going to long for the things that he desires. Verse 8 tells us that, that this will bear much fruit and it will be to God's glory. This is God glorifying when we start praying the prayers of God. If you don't already do this, start praying scripture. There are all kinds of things we're told to pray for in scripture. There's all kinds of prayers in scripture that we can just rip off and make them our own prayers. I would love it if one of the regular prayers of our church became Matthew 9:38. In verse 37, Jesus says that the, the, there's a harvest that is plentiful, but the labors are few. And then 38, he says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. So we need to do that. We need to pray that the Lord would send out his laborers. As you're in the Bible, I encourage you to start looking for how God is working to shape your heart and your prayers to pray for what he is wanting to do. And he will respond. It might sound strange to us that God has made it this way, but this is by his design that, that we pray and he responds to our prayers. Uh, David in the Psalms, he talks about hiding God's word in his heart. I think one of the best ways to do this is to memorize God's word. And it's it is hard to hide the word in your heart that you don't know. Um, I just rediscovered the, the Bible memory app on my phone. It's super simple. The free version that I have lets you work on up to 50 verses at a time. So I downloaded Psalm 34 just over a week ago as I was uh, waiting in line at Costco for an hour uh, for it to open. Um, it's a simple little app, but it's been very helpful to me. Uh, so we'll get more information out to you this week about that app. Verse 9 says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Right? You wouldn't think that we would need to be told to abide in Jesus' love. But the reality is we're tempted to abide in so many others. And I assume part of this is we don't understand how great the love of God is for us. Jesus, his love for us is like the Father, uh, the way the Father has loved him. Right? We know what the, the love of a parent, of a father to their child means. If I were to say to, to a younger guy, I love you like you're my son. Right? I'm communicating that this love I have for this young man is extraordinary. And Jesus is saying, I love you the way the heavenly father loves me, his son. And this is where we need to abide. Right? This is the love that we need to receive. When that is your dwelling, you come to realize that every other love is an imposter. Everything that promises to satisfy you, to bring you gratification, falls so short of the love of Jesus. 
The love of Christ that we abide in, again, it's the fuel for our obedience. We want to obey what God commands because we love Him. Our obedience to Him shows the love that we have for Him. I've said this before that I do things for my wife out of love for her. One, one thing I don't think I've talked about before is when we first got married, I found out pretty quickly that uh, Lindsay doesn't like clean laundry sitting in the laundry basket overnight, getting all wrinkled up. And, and at first, this is a pet peeve for me. Like It really bugged me when I thought I was going to get to go to sleep and we had to spend seven minutes folding laundry and I know some of you are thinking like Greg if you don't fold it right away it's going to get wrinkled you have to iron I'm like I know but I wanted sleep and so anyway for a while it drove me absolutely crazy but then something strange happened right pretty soon I found myself wanting to fold the laundry before bed my desire had changed over time out of love for my wife getting that getting to sleep seven minutes earlier didn't matter like it used to now my kids fold the laundry, so it's really a non-issue, but you get what I'm saying. When we abide in his love, obeying what God commands, it just flows out of our love for him. And our obedience to him, it demonstrates, it proves, he says, that we are his disciples. Because uh, this, what happens is this union with Christ transforms us, which we see in verse 11. It says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And I'd never noticed this before. I noticed that we would get joy and that he put joy in us. But I just always kind of thought, oh, we'll be joyful people. But no, he's saying he's putting his joy in us. When we receive the joy, it's the joy of Christ. He's giving us what makes him joyful and that makes us joyful. And we're filled to the brim with it as we abide in this union with God. Have you noticed, or do you notice, that more and more what brings you joy, it's the things that God is joyful about? I don't know how long our world is going to be the way it is, but I have found that there's ample opportunity uh, for us to be intentional about our union with Christ. And I encourage you, get some house projects done. Do some spring cleaning, right? Watch, watch some movies here and there. Play board games, do a puzzle, uh, but let's also spend extra time focused on Christ. Let's dwell in Him. Let's receive His Word, right? Just spending time marinating in His Word, letting it permeate our hearts and our minds, our very lives. I would encourage you to try memorizing the Word, and there are no shortcuts there. Um, let's receive His love. There are harder times ahead of us in this pandemic. Let's rest in God's love. Let's receive his joy as God shapes you and transforms you. Receive the joy that he gives his people. And Harvest, I'm praying that this will be a very fruitful season uh, as we abide in Jesus. Um, below the video, there should be some links uh, with questions to think through, maybe even to, to discuss with other people in your household from our sermon today. Um, we have had, I should have said this earlier, but we've had several people uh, offer to help anyone in our church that needs help. So if you need anything, would you just contact our office? We would love uh, to help you and serve you. We've got people that would go shopping for you. Uh, I've heard about a bunch of people that are making masks, that are getting them to hospitals. It's great. Um, so 
uh, this video will be done here in just a moment. Uh, Kai, even though my video, my live stream didn't work, Kai is going to still try the live stream so that we can sing together. There's a lyric sheet that you can download and print. Um, I get that singing could be awkward um, over YouTube Live, but let's just go for it. Let's make the most of it. It is pretty cool that, that since we can't be gathered together at the same time, all over Camas, Washougal, Vancouver, wherever you are, uh, we'll be singing to the Lord together. So let's, uh, let's worship our, our Lord in that way together. Um, I look forward to seeing you soon, Harvest Family.